Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just uh, seal the word of testimony. Thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your blessing upon everybody who's here this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear what your Holy Spirit wants to speak to the church this morning. And not only here, Lord, help us to be doers of the word. Help us to put it into action. I ask, Lord, for your anointing um, to deliver this message that it's, it's all about you. It's your glory, Lord. And I pray that, you know, this message could inspire us all to a closer walk with you. And we give you all the praise, Lord, and thank you for um, bringing us here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever hear the, the, that saying, it says, today is the first day for the rest of your life? Yeah? You know, here we are at the, you know, the 21 days into a new year, and, you know, you think about that. I never could figure that one out. Like, what does that mean? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. But every day is a new day, and every day we make choices that we can choose to do something different than what we did yesterday. To shake off something that doesn't need to be there and to move forward in a new direction. Everybody has that ability to do that. And we need to uh, examine our lives, examine our hearts, examine our walk with the Lord, examine our place with God. Because we're only here for a short time. You know, we only have a limited amount of time on this planet. And everything that we're doing is being recorded into the heavenly realm. And so by God's power... He's given us the ability, his grace, it's called, his, his, his empowerment within us to when he says something in the word that he says, not only did I say it, but I've given you the ability to do that. And there's sometimes you look at that, you know, you look at some of the challenges in the word of God and you go, maybe this guy can do it, but I don't know if I can do that. But if we're, our heart is set, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. We sang it this morning. I want to know you. I want to know you more. I want to walk closer with you. You know, and, you know, if we, we if uh, like Pastor Tasha, she does uh, marathons, or she has in the past, and that's a monumental task. That's a, that's a really good um, uh, feather in your cap to say, I did a marathon, or I've done marathons. But God is not calling us really to a marathon. That's a serious task. But he tells us to walk with me, to just walk with me, you know, and... Um, the, the word walk, I was looking it up, and it says figurative, uh, signifying the whole round of activities in our individual life, whether unregenerate or born again. So either we're walking to the Lord, we're walking with the Lord, or we're walking away from the Lord and not doing those things that are pleasing to him. But it's an interesting thing. It's a, it's a walking pace. Walking doesn't sound very... Uh, exciting at times you know it's just like walk that's kind of boring in fact Gretchen and I have been walking she started it up she was like I'm gonna start walking again and I, go, oh, I don't want to walk I'm, I'm fat and I'm lazy and uh, so she she kick-started it and I go man I gotta do this and since you've been more active you feel better you you move and your joints feel better and you're losing a little bit of weight and you're moving forward and it's actually beneficial so it does take a little discipline even to walk before if you told me walking was exercise, I would laugh in your face. I was like, that's not exercise. That's just walking. But when you get older, walking is exercise. <laughs> right? Amen. It is. Like, I got to the point, you know, walking down the road. You know, I remember our, our old dog, Danny Boy, um, Australia, part Australian Shepherd, real loyal dog. 
and he would get so excited. It's like time to walk. He'd be circling you and running up and back, and all right, man, we're going to go walking. And you'd walk down, and our places, you guys have been there, it's a mile, but it's a gradual downhill with a real big downhill hill at the bottom. And so our dog's all happy. All right, man, we're, we're walking, we're walking. And then all of a sudden, you make the turn in the, at the gate and start headed back up, and all of a sudden, he looks at you like, oh, no. <laughs> and, and it's all uphill. And his dog had a lot of fur. And by the time he got up to the top, man, he's like. (sighs) (sighs) And the next day, same thing. He'd be waiting for you to go walk. And he'd forget that there's an uphill section coming up. But but the dog wanted to be. He wanted to be there. He wanted to do the task. You know, and that's, you know, there's things. The walk of faith is not always easy. It's not always a downhill run. Sometimes there's a turnaround, and you got to go uphill, and there's resistance, and there's things coming against you, and you're just like, I just want to quit right here. I just, I'm sure that the guys in the crater went on the crater walk. There was parts where you just said, I'm dropping this pack. I just want to quit right now. I remember the time we went, Bajo, we were, we were coming, uh, we went across down sliding stands through the uh, floor of the crater, and Baja was, we were headed towards Paliku, which is a, quite a hike from the top of the crater to Paliku. I forget, how many miles is that? About 12 or something? Under nine is nine. But it's, you know, it's, a, it's pretty intense. And so we, I think we stopped at the cabin, and there's a, a, that rocky section that you're coming into Paliku, and, um, which is the real green section against the Hana Mountain. And lost sight of Bajo. And so we all stopped, and we're like, Where, what happened to Bajo, man? Where did he go? And he comes walking up with his head down, and, and he's thinking, what am I doing on this hike? And, but he was, just, he was just messing with us. He, he passed us by. He said, praise the Lord. And he kept picking up his back, and he kept going. He was just messing with us. We had a great time, Bajo, that, that time he came in there. But the walk, walking with the Lord is not always an easy thing. You know, there's, there's, there's bumps in the road, there's uphill, there's downhills. There's times when we got to do this walk, and we feel like, man, I don't know if I can make it. You know, and, and even, you know, like what Caleb said about that, you know, we're there and part of part of the journey that we're journeying through this thing together, walking with the Lord is this is coming to church and getting encouraged in the presence of the saints, that there's a common experience that we all share, that it's sometimes hard. It's sometimes really tough to continue walking in the Lord, but we got to keep our eyes on the prize. We got to keep our eyes on the on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of torn between that. Like a lot of times if I got to do a tough walk, like if you're in the crater and you got to go from the floor up, there's a switchbacks. And every time you come around a turn, you look and it looks like, I'm, I think we're almost out of here. We're almost out. And then you're like, oh no, there's like three more ridges to go. And, it, and it's just like, it's disheartening sometimes. Is this ever going to end? And you're already sore because you're, you're coming out of the crater and... You know, it's sometimes in life, the trials that hit us wave after wave, is this ever going to end? Is there any? And, and I don't know whether it's more beneficial to look up and keep looking for that ridge where, okay, we're almost out of here, or just put your head down and plow. And I'm kind of more like I put your head down and plow kind of God. I don't even want to see where I'm at. I'm just going to go, you know. And eventually this is going to end. It's going to be over. But I think that the other thing that we need to do is in the process, enjoy the process. Yeah. Just, just look up and, and look at the scenery, stop and say, wow, this is beautiful, man. 
and to assess our lives and to think of the blessings that God has blessed us with, that we have much to be thankful for, a lot of things. I think to be thankful is just reading through the book of Colossians, and I listed it. I forget how many times it's in there, but it says um, to be thankful, to be thankful. It says giving thanks. This is in Colossians 1, 12. It says giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We're walking in the light. We're no longer walking in darkness if we've made a commitment to Christ. We used to walk and cavort into the darkness. It says those who get drunk get drunk at night. Those who do sin do it at night under the cover of darkness. But God says, man, I see nighttime just as if it's daytime. I see it all, right? And so he's qualified us. He's like when you go in to buy a house and they say, well, you should get pre-qualified. See if you can get that loan to get that house. God has pre-qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light because of what Jesus did and because we had faith to believe that. We had faith to believe that our Savior took our sins, all the shameful things that we did in the past and maybe continue to do, that we, he nailed it to the cross in front of, it says, having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That it, when they were preaching the gospel in the book of Acts, they said, this isn't something that was done in a corner secretly somewhere. This was done on the top of the hill up there. Everybody saw it. The Romans were there. There was a big procession. They saw Christ crucified. And then three days later, a great earthquake, the graves are open, and Jesus comes out. It wasn't a secret little thing that went on there. People, when they would go out and preach this message, says, the people have turned the world upside down have come in here. And so this message goes out, and we have faith in our heart. It's, com it's conceived in our heart, and we have a relationship with God at that point. We said, I cannot stand before a holy God. You know, we're going to the book of Revelation. There's two judgments that are going to take place that are yet future. One of them is the Bema Seat judgment, where we're judged on our good works, the things that we did after we were saved. It says that we're not going to be... Um, led into heaven or partaken in, in, in eternal life because of anything righteous that we've done. But the things that we do, the walk that we have, the conduct that we display will be rewarded at the Bema seat. And then there's another judgment that takes place. That's the first resurrection. There's a second resurrection that takes place. And at that second resurrection, those people are going to be trying to argue on the merits of their righteousness. And there's nobody going to be saved through that. Because they're trying to say the Frank Sinatra gospel, I did it my way. I did it the way that I thought it should be done. And there's no salvation in that. It's only in Christ. But we have relationship with the Lord and we have uh, the merit of Jesus' sinless life. And we uh, appropriate that to ourselves. And therefore, we have righteousness in Christ. But we also, in the doing, there's... Uh, good works that God has foreordained that each one of us should walk in those things. There's things that God wants us to do. Um, our lives make a difference. You know, I was listening to a sermon. Uh, it was uh, Dan Muller, and thank you guys for sending me that. I was listening to his sermon, and this guy is unusual. I mean, this guy, you know, you look at him and you just stand back and you're like, wow, wow. How did he attain to that level of... of uh, walk with the Lord, and yet it's available to each one of us. Each one of us can be that person. But he talks about how he was transformed in such a way that his co-workers would look at him with wonder and go, you're not even the same person anymore. 
And he says he would go, he went into a workplace, and he goes, the, mar- the darkest workplace you could, he was a, worked in a warehouse, and he, I guess, you know, filled orders or distributed stuff or whatever in a warehouse. And he says that, you know, there, there, there was the start of the year or the start, you know, when they were introducing people, and then he gives up and he gives his testimony about the fact that he's a believer in Jesus Christ. And everybody went like this, like, you know, get away from me. And, and they were making teams, and, and uh, they said that they divvied up the, the workers. And everybody was like, don't let him be on my team. I don't want him on my team because there's a, there's a reaction when you bring light into a dark situation. You ever been there? You know, you go to a place, and all of a sudden people just recoil at you. And it's like, ooh, don't come near me. But the point of the story was this man's light was so strong that he said by the time he left, all the people in that place were converted to Christ because of his testimony. And the boss said, if we had everybody like Dan, and, and he's not bragging. He's, I know this man. You can you listen to him. He's a humble guy. He says, if everybody, this is what his boss's assessment was. If everybody in this business was like Dan, this would be a great place to work. And each one of us has that ability by our walk our walk, the way we conduct ourselves day to day, the things that we do when nobody's watching, when, we're, when their integrity is on the line when nobody's watching. It says that we do these things, not as a man pleaser, but as anything that we do, we do it as unto the Lord. We do it with the best of our abilities. We work when we got to work. We put our best efforts forth. That's walking in integrity, walking with the Lord, putting a good effort forward so that that light shines. And then people say, they see our good works and we give the glory to God our Father. And then it would cause people to, why are you like that? Why do you do that? Because I know Jesus and this is what he did for me. He gave it all for me and I'm just doing this because I love him. And this is worship. This is worship in the workplace. This is worship in the home. This is worship wherever we are is by giving God the best that we have. Amen. Amen. It says this in Colossians, this is chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy, beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through the Father through him. This is our conduct. This is our walk. This is the things that we do on a day-to-day basis that a lot of times that we can share a testimony without even saying anything. It's just the way that we are. You know, I shared this story about a time where this guy, my neighbor down on the road, and I have a Suzuki Jeep, and anybody who owns a Suzuki Jeep knows that there's like a fellowship of Suzuki Jeep owners. Um, I won't even call it a Jeep because people get irritated. It's not a Jeep. It's a Suzuki and so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my neighbor down the road there, every time I'd pass by with my Suzuki, we'd, we'd wave to each other because he had a Suzuki over there. And so one day I stopped in to talk to him. And uh, he was like, yeah, I got this problem. 
with my Suzuki, and you know, and when every time I put it into four-wheel drive, it gets locked in there and just get locked in neutral, and you can't do anything about it. And I go, oh, I had that problem before. I know how to fix that. He goes, really? I said, yeah, it's a, just a small bushing you put inside the, the transfer case. It's a real easy job. It's, it's easy to do, but it's a little hard because it's, it's in such a tight place. And so I go over there, and I start working on this, and I got called away. I had to go do something. And so this, you know, I put it into four-wheel drive. Once you do that, man, you're committed because it ain't coming out now. It's stuck, right? And so I'm trying to get that little cover off, and you're, you're, you're in the opening like this, and you got to get all kinds of screwdrivers and whatever to get in there. And so I'm halfway through the project. My phone rings. I, you know what? I said, bro, you know what? I got to go somewhere. And he looked at me like, what? You going to leave me like this? And I said, no, I'll be back. And I came back later in the day, and I put it together for him, and I got it, and the thing worked. And he goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I go, yeah. <laughs> just for that, just because it's good for my word that I said I would be back and help him with this thing to get it fixed. That we can display Christ that way. I didn't even have to say anything. He just identified that. As a, a person of integrity, a person of character, a person who gives you a word and you do it. That's who we should be in Christ. That's walk. That's our walk. It says um, the, whole, the whole round of activities of an individual's life, whether of unregenerate, unregenerate, so that's somebody who's not saved or somebody who's been born again. What does that say about us? What does our conduct say about us? It's important because we're reflecting a glorious God, we're reflecting a kingdom that's coming. We're reflecting a time, in the, and it says that we would do these things in a dark time, that you would shine his lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. A lot of people, this stuff, I don't know, what are you talking about? Nobody does that anymore. But if we had the grace of God, if we have a relationship with the Lord, this would motivate us to be those kind of people, to do uh, above and beyond what is expected. Amen. That's who God wants us to be so that our testimony carries some credibility, has some weight to it, you know, and help us, Lord, to have that, you know, to, to be uh, cognizant of that. You know, there's a, um, many scriptures that are talking about walking with the Lord, walking, and uh, not, it's, it's, a, it's an option to walk uh, in the spirit or walk in the flesh. The flesh is... The natural man. It's the, the, the natural man is what people naturally would do. But when we get born again, we're a supernatural person. We're no longer the natural man. We're a supernatural person. Amen? It says in, uh, this is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. This is something that flows, like the thing that Jesus always had conflict was with people that wanted to uphold the law. But it says you're, you're doing these things by rote, by teachings of commandment, but your heart is far from me. You know, we want to ask the Lord, give me the heart to do this, that it was from the right motivation, because that's the stuff that's going to be uh, rewarded at the Bema seat. It says that we can build with wood, hay, or stubble, or we can build with 
uh, gold, silver, and precious stones. And it says all our works are going to be tested by fire. It's going to go through a fire, and wood, hand, stubble look like they would burn up pretty quick, but precious gems and gold and silver get refined through the fire, and that will be rewards for eternity. It says that there's like five, I think there's five different crowns that will be given out at the Bema seat according to our conduct. You know, there's a martyr's crown, there's a pastor's crown, there's a soul winner's crown, there's, I forget the other ones, but there's crowns that will be given. And you go, I don't care, I just want to get in. I don't want crowns. But it says that we take our crowns off and we cast them at the feet of the Lord. And it will speak of who we are for eternity. That the things that we do here, just like Gladiator, what he said, the things that we do here today will resonate through eternity. The short walk that we have, the short time that we have can affect change for eternity. What if our testimony, what if our conduct, what if our character had an effect on somebody in the workplace or in our family members that says, wow, that's unusual, that's different. And by that, they turn to the Lord because of your conduct, because of our conduct. Our walk inspired them. I just heard that testimony from Dan Muller, and I was like, what an amazing, to go into a place, a workplace, that they despise you. And it's just, I don't, we're, we're not going to even spend time with you, and the, the F words are flying and whatever, and they don't want you anywhere near, to the point where he left the job, and the boss says, this man changed this place. If everybody was like him, this would be a perfect place to, to work, to live at that level, to have that as the goal. As we're walking this walk, that sometimes can be difficult, but we keep our eyes. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, so he despised the shame. There's times where we got to do difficult things. There's times where we got to be rejected. There's times when we, but we pick up our cross and we walk. What does that mean? It doesn't sound too appealing to pick up a cross and walk to a crucifixion. The old man is dying, the new man, the spiritual man is being reborn, is being regenerated, is being, it's like a masterpiece. Somebody can look at a block of granite and say, I see what that's meant to be. And they get a hammer and a chisel and start chipping off the stuff that don't, oh, that's, oh, that's sore, don't chip that off. I was kind of used to having that chunk over there. No, I'm making a masterpiece. And he's chipping away and he's, he calls it in Ephesians, He's, we're his poem, his poema, his masterpiece. Look at what I crafted. It started out like this, but look at it now. If we keep walking, if we show up, I heard 80% of the battle is just showing up. 80% of the battle is just showing up. There's a lot of times where you don't feel like showing up, but we show up. I would say that the services where you don't feel like showing up or anything, any activity, is the ones you get more blessed by. Because the enemy don't want this influence on you so that you be transformed into the person that God is making you into be. Amen? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. I like this in Romans. It's something to meditate on. You know, like I said, this is the first day of the rest of your life. I'm not calling us to a marathon. I'm calling us to walk. Just walk with the Lord. Just walk. Even physically, I'm going to take a walk today. I'm going to speak to the Lord while I'm walking. You think you'd be happy about that? You'd be stoked, man. All right, let's do this, man. And you, you know, there's a, that's the thing. You go in the crater. It's quiet in there. 
and you don't have radios, you don't got those distractions, you don't got nothing, and you're just walking that trail, and you got a lot of time to think, and things are running through your mind, and, and spending time meditating on the things of God, thinking about, and he's directing us, directing us. In a, you, need, you know, this is something you need to kind of work on right here. And he's crafting us. And he's not because he's a, we sang it, he's a good father. All things are working together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to his prayer. If you don't love the Lord, that scripture is void. It's, it's void. But if we love the Lord and we're called according to his purposes, not my will, your will be done, Lord. And we're yielded to that. You can take that promise to the bank. Everything you're going through is going through for a reason. I'm either crafting you, I'm setting you up. You think about the life of Joseph. Joseph. Promise. Vision. Wow. I saw, I saw, I had a dream. I'm my dad's favorite. He made me a special coat. And then in this dream, I saw these uh, 12 sheaves, and they're all bowing down to me. And his brothers, what are you talking about? You mean to tell me you, we're going to be down, bowing down, down to you and the moon and the star, and mom and dad are going to be bowing to you? How dare you? How audacious. And you're sharing this. Uh, go, his dad, well, go help your brothers out there. Go help them with the sheep out there in the, you know, in the pasture that's far away. So he walks out there. I'm Joseph. I got the colorful coat on. I'm coming for my brothers. His brother, here he comes. Here comes the dreamer. Grab them. So you think you're going to do this, and you're going to be this. And they throw him. They go, oh, there's a, pit. there's a cistern over there. There's a pit. They threw him in the pit. And they were thinking, well, we should probably kill him. You know, because how's, how, you know, he might get out of here. And the one brother's like, no, 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 let's not kill him. We, this is going a little too far. But there were some traders that were coming down. They were going down to Egypt, the Ishmaelites. Let's sell them to these guys, and we'll be done with him. And so they take off the coat of many colors. You, you guys want to, let's make some money off of this transaction. Sell the brother. Boom, you're out of here, man. Done. Come back with, kill that animal, put the blood all over this favored coat. Dad, guess what? Uh, your son, he got killed by a wild animal out there. Oh, it's terrible. And they all just act. He goes down to Egypt, sold as a slave. I thought I had a vision from God. I thought I was going to be somebody. Next thing you know, he's in prison. Or he's in Potiphar's house. He's a, he's a servant in the, in the house over here. And then the, he gets accused of adultery by his wife, the Potiphar's wife. That's it. And I think that Potiphar knew that this guy wasn't capable of this. Because normally you would just chop his head off, done, you're out. Put him into the prison. Gets stuck over there for years. Somebody comes in there. Oh, I had a dream. I, I know how to interpret dreams. Gives them the interpret. Remember when you come before Pharaoh that there's somebody here that knows how to interpret. Forgets about him another few years. A hard walk. A long walk. A dry walk in the prison. Mastering the prison. You know, in, in Potiphar's house. Boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden, the Pharaoh has a dream. I have a dream. There's going to be seven years. I mean, I, I just saw these skinny, these six, seven skinny cows and seven real full, you know, thick cows. And he goes, what does it mean? Well, I know. I met somebody in prison who knows how to interpret dreams and bring them in. And he interprets this accurately. The Pharaoh's like, whoa, this dude, that is a, a great interpretation. There's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of drought. We should take the excess that we have during the seven years of plenty, save it for the years of, of lack. And this guy just elevates. He goes, we need somebody to oversee it. 
and because he spent time in the prison, overseeing the prison, because he was in Potiphar's house, all these things, he, he you know, if, if that would normally, from somebody going into the prison, all of a sudden in this position, their head would explode. They would be so big. But this guy had been humbled, humbled, prepared for that positioning. What if the things that we're going through right now are humbling us so that we don't get full of pride when that thing comes to pass? This is the preparation period right now. If we have our eyes on the prayer, God has a plan here. I'm not walking in the flesh. I'm walking in the spirit because he has good plans. And even if I don't see it come to pass here, I will see the benefits of there for eternity. That's God's purposes in each one of our lives. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us has a destiny. Every one of us has a ministry. Everyone has somebody you're ministering to, whether by words or just our conduct, our walk with the Lord. Amen. It has an effect. It has an effect. Crux of the story. There's a famine throughout the whole world. His brothers got to come down with their hat in hand. Please sell us some grain. They don't know that their brother is right-hand man to Pharaoh. They don't know, and he's the one distributing the grain because God had put him in that position. He's probably got the Pharaoh hat on. He's probably got the eye makeup on. He looks like an Egyptian. His brother's come down there. Play some tricks on him. Eventually, he goes, I can't take it no more. These are my brothers, and I love them. And he starts crying. He says, it's me. It's your brother. You guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, for the saving of many souls. And they just like, oh, what did we do? What did we do? God took a drastic disaster of a situation and spun it around for the saving of the Jewish people that the Messiah came through. Isn't that amazing? Those are the stories in the Bible. Those are the things that God is able to do. He can turn our, our disaster into something glorious. It's so, we, he's so good at doing these things that we said it was God who did this. No, it's our, kind of our mess sometimes that we did it, but he goes, no, I can, I can fix this. I can transform this. You yield to me, watch what I can do with this mess that you gave me. Watch this masterpiece I can make from your mess. Chapter 8, my favorite um, chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. To have the discernment of the Spirit, to listen and say, God has a plan. I don't see it right now. I was watching a show recently. I was watching uh, Blue Bloods, if you guys ever watched that. It's uh, Tom Selleck. He's a police officer in uh, New York. And uh, a good man of character. You know, you watch his character on that show, you're like, man, this guy's got high integrity. And um, there was a police officer on the force, and he was smoking, and he was checking his cell phone, and Tom Selleck was just where, you know, the commissioner was going around, and he's just checking his troops. And he sees this guy, and he kind of rebukes him, and the guy gives him big-time attitude, huh? And uh, total disrespect. And you're like, whoa, that's, that's not good. But what happened was, over the course of the show, he gets to know his backstory a little bit. And they get to know each other, and they're kind of going back and forth. But eventually, it gets to the point where Tom Selleck, or the, the character, the police commissioner, does some things on his behalf that earns his respect. 
And at the end of the show, I saw the guy, they stood it, stood at each, and looked at each other. And this guy who was on his cell phone who was smoking, he actually saluted him. And you could tell he meant it. He meant it from his heart. Like, I respect you. And I think to myself, how many times have I treated God with that sort of disrespect? Because I didn't understand. Because things weren't going my way. And I dishonor God. And I think, wow, that was so powerful to see that attitude change in that guy. And what if we, our own volition, say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I'm going to respect you because you're God. I'm going to give you the honor that you're due because you're God. Because you're working things out even though I don't see it. What if we did that? You imagine God sitting on his throne. Look at that. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. Look at what they did in this circle. They don't see the end result yet, but they're doing this in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must first believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. 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 God has a plan. He has a plan, even though we don't see it. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Today is the first day of the rest of our life. Can we make a commitment between God and ourselves in that secret place that we sang about? Lord, I want to spend the rest of my time. Help me, Lord. Every day is a new opportunity. Every day is a day to say, I'm laying this down. Lord, help me to be the man, to be the woman that you want me to be. Amen. He gives us a new hour. His grace is new every morning. His faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Amen. Let's pray.